0: What's going on? And welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Happy game day, everyone. The Pelicans continue their six-game West Coast swing as they're in Salt Lake City, Utah, to take on the Jazz for back-to-back games tonight at 8 o'clock Central and then on Thursday night, 9 p.m. Central, nationally televised on TNT to help us get to know the Utah Jazz a little bit more. Welcome in Aaron Falk, who covers the team for UtahJazz.com. Hey, Aaron, happy game day. Thanks for
1: coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Good to see you.
0: Absolutely. So, kind of give us a, a little bit of more info on the Utah Jazz riding a five-game winning streak, three seed right now in the Western Conference. Obviously, way too early, but kind of how the Jazz been playing these last few games? They kind of get them where they are
1: right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, you seen the Jazz on a, on a five-game win streak, and there there were some rockier moments at the start of the season where I think um, you know they were kind of. Like Mike Conley said we had to step back and, and look and, and reassess our, our identity. And are we going to be that defensive team that? that uh, we hope we can be with Rudy Gobert in the paint. And, and um, a couple of things that, that stand out about the way the Jazz have, have played recently and, and really, especially offensively all season long, uh, which will make tonight an interesting matchup, is uh, this team has really doubled down on the three-point shot, um, even more so than years past. With uh, I think they are second in the league in in um, attempts per game and, and maybe close to second in the league in, in percentages made with with Jordan Clarkson, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich, um, and that will be that'll be an interesting matchup against the Pelicans team that, as you guys know, is giving up uh, a number of, of three-point attempts per game. I think uh, forty, I got forty-two point three here per game right now. So uh, three-point ball will be is a decider for tonight. I think.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that. That was going to be my next question. It just seems like this team ride or dies by the three-point shot. Is that just schematic? Just with the the shooters that they have on this team. Or why is Quinn Snyder making more of an emphasis to get more threes up?
1: Yeah, I, I think you know they they've wanted to push the pace, and and um, I think you know they just just looking at the weapons they have, um, if they can get out there, if they can get those shots, especially early in the clock, those are things they want to do. Um, it's just a matter. It's a matter of personnel, and and when you have those guys I mentioned, um, you know all, all of those guys are more than capable, and it's it, it is the. You know, obviously you want to get points at the rim. That's, that's the most efficient. But this is the next best way to do it all the time. And that's that's really where they've made, made the money so far.
0: Before we get to Jim, uh, tell us a little bit more about Derek Favors. Of course, we got a year with him last year. goes back to, you know, where he started his career. Um, what impact has he had since being back with the Jazz?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, just a, a fan favorite. You know, he's been here for so long. And, and everyone here watched him grow up. And so it's sort of uh, a really nice homecoming and, and um, on, on the floor, you know, he's just so steady. Um, and, and really, he, you know, he's, he's steady with, with the way that he can come in and, and he can be that role man for Joe Ingalls or for Mike Conley when he runs with, with the second unit. Um, he's, uh, you know, is he, a different maybe, I don't say mentality, but, but certainly different expectation than, than when he was here a couple of years ago and, and he'd been the you know, incumbent starter. He has embraced that bench role. He's embraced fewer minutes. And in, in doing so, he's also kind of steadied um, the Jazz defensively in a way. You know, like last year, there was a big drop-off every time Rudy Gobert comes off the court defensively. You would expect that. He's, he's the two-time defensive player of the year at that point. Um, and, and, you know, there's going to be a drop-off again. But Derek, the way that he plays, he's not quite the shot blocker that, that Rudy is. But he is a good rim protector. And, you know, just his presence in the paint allows the Jazz to play the same way on the perimeter defensively, even when Rudy's out of the game. Um, more or less, and and it's really kind of studied some things and allowed those guys to pressure the perimeter and and feel comfortable knowing that there is someone back there that's going to be, um, you know, that has their backs even when Rudy's on the bench.
2: Aaron, I think one of the stories that people talked about a lot nationally last season was the way that Mike Conley fit in. We're extremely familiar with with him having played his whole career prior to coming to Utah with Memphis, obviously, and seeing him play extremely well. Um, I, I know people talked about how he, he he struggled at times and didn't seem like the old Mike Conley last season, but this year he seems like he's off to a really good start. What do you think has been the, the difference or, or the reason that he's um, seemingly done, you know, so much better this season and just looking like, I think when the Jazz picked him up, everybody was like, this is a great move and this is a great pickup. And it seems like now he's really starting to show that.
1: Yeah, he, he's been he's been terrific um, this season. I think five thirty eight has him as as the third uh, most efficient player in their Raptor um, ratings, and um, it, it's it's been it's been fun to see. I mean, I think last year, you know, you, there were the, the narrative was you know it was a year of change. Like he he comes after twelve thirteen years in Memphis. Everything is different, and he's a guy who's who admittedly um, is about routine, you know, he eats the same thing every meal. And so all of a sudden, literally everything in, in his basketball life um, has been kind of flipped upside down after, after more than a decade of doing the same thing. Um, and, and more than that on the court, here he is, he's learning uh, a new system. And, and I think even, you know, Quinn Snyder will be one of the first guys to tell you like their, their language is diff- different, their vocabulary is as a team, the, the um, you know, there's a lot of, of things to learn from like, and then the combination of going from, from Mark Gasol, who's, who's more of a pick-and-pop guy, to Rudy Gobert, who's going to be a, a hard roller to the rim, was, was something that I think Mike took a little while to, to get acclimated to. Um, and, and he has been – he just figured out his spots with, with Rudy and with Derek Favors quickly this year. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, he's playing, he's playing really well. But I, I should say, I mean, Mike, Mike Conley started playing pretty well. He looked like Mike Conley by about – you know February of, of last year and, and in the bubble he looked great as well um, mm-hmm. he, he really did start to find his his groove and that's con- tar- carried over into this year and and um, you know defensively him and him and rudy Gobert are the number one uh, defensive pick and roll combination in the league right now he's put in a ton of effort he's uh, he looks rejuvenated he looks he looks great he's, he has been absolutely key for them. one of the things
2: across the league that obviously people have talked about since the season began, in December right before Christmas was how much of a challenge it's been for teams as far as dealing with, you know, there's going to be injuries every year, no matter what, but now you're throwing in the COVID factor of there, there haven't been a ton of necessarily positive tests across the league, but there's been a lot of absences due to, to contact tracing and that kind of thing. But one of the things I noticed right away when I kind of researched Utah this season, I've watched them a couple times, but when you really look at the stats, they might, might be one of the only teams in the league that's had the same starting lineup every game this year. And also they use the same group of five guys that have started this season a lot last year. I think it was 25 times, um, basically a third of the regular season last year. How much do you think the continuity that they have is helping them in terms of the advantage that they have over some of these other teams that are trying to figure things out and trying to shuffle guys in and out of the lineup all the time?
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, it's, that's, one thing that they've said, you know, last year again, going back to to learning Quinn Snyder's system and and all of those adjustments, um, to have you know, obviously Boyan Bogdanovich wasn't wasn't with, with the team in the bubble because he had surgery on, on his wrist in in May, but um, to have a, a full training camp and then season and then into even though it was not abbreviated training camp, those guys, you know, Boyan, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, now um, they have that that familiarity. You know, the only guy that's that's missed much time really at all at this point is, is Joe Ingles who's um, missed a few games recently with a, with a sore Achilles um, off the bench. But yeah, no, that, that continuity has been great. And, and, and on, honestly, to, to the COVID point um, you know, they'll, they will tell you that given what happened last year in March with, with Rudy and Donovan and, and their positive tests um, and being kind of at the epicenter of, of the, the NBA's halting on, on March 11th, um, it reinforced to those guys the importance of all of these NBA, you know, these, what are now the health and safety protocols that everyone is adhering to. And, and you know, these guys, you know, you want to knock on wood for, for health for the team and just in life. But, um, you know, these guys are very aware of 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 the virus and what it means. And, and you know, they are they are certainly doing everything they can to, to stay healthy.
0: Aaron, before I let you go, these two teams are, are for the first time this season are going to play the same opponent back to back. And we'll see it more, obviously, for the Pelicans and the Jazz later on in the year um, due to COVID and health and safety protocols. One, do you like this idea during this year with the fact that the Pelicans now will be done going to Salt Lake City just after one quick trip? And also, uh, how much does that change the importance of maybe tonight's game? Because I think the other team might feel the pressure of trying to split the you know Thursday's game if they lose the first one. I guess how important is this matchup and what are your thoughts on the fact that you are seeing uh, teams play the same team on back-to-back nights or back-to-back games?
1: Yeah, no, I, I love it. I think I love it long-term going forward. I mean, you know, it's it's a, it's such a drain to get on a plane every other night and and fly and, you know, arrive in cities late for these guys after, you know, putting everything on, uh, they have onto the court. Um, I, I think it makes perfect sense just from uh, – from a basketball standpoint, the the I think games will be better as we start to group these things. You know, you're not gonna have a baseball home stand like that, but but certainly these back-to-back sets I think make it make a ton of sense. Um, and and it's and it's cool. It's it'll be it'll be a bit of a chess match. You know, it's a mini playoff series, and, and those adjustments that you see um, teams make over over the course of time. And and I especially love it in a, in a matchup like like tonight where we're with the Pelicans and the Jazz, where you see, you know, stars, Donovan Mitchell, Brandon Ingram going at it, and you can, and you can see the way that, that these two coaches are going to make their adjustments. And you saw it the other night with um, just, in, just in the half, the Jazz, you know, Jamal Murray goes off in the first half, makes some tweaks defensively and, and slow him down in the second half. And, and just to be able to see that back and forth uh, over the course of two games with, with star power like that, I, I, think, I think that's an awesome, awesome thing.
0: Before I let you go, you talked about three point shooting being another or one of the biggest keys for tonight. What about the, the front court matchup of Rudy Gobert versus Steven Adams? I think for the Pelicans. You've had a hard time with Rudy Gobert in the past, but now getting that guy like Steven Adams in the middle there. How does that change this matchup a little bit with both those guys going at it?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, R- Rudy, Rudy's great, and and you know, Steven Adams obviously just just the behemoth of a man. He's, he's it's it's so it's so fun to watch that battle. I I Honestly, um, and it's been fun to watch over the years. I remember um, the late Clip Saunders saying when, when they had, uh, in, a, in a pre-draft workout, they, they, they had Steven Adams and Rudy in the same um, workout. And one of the reasons they, the Timberwolves didn't go with Rudy that year, they went with Gordy Jang, was, was Steven Adams just beat him up because he was just so, so big and so strong. And Rudy's obviously a, a stronger dude now than he was uh, in the year 2013. Um, but I, I love that matchup for them. Uh, it's, it's just, it's so physical. Anytime you're playing against Steven Adams, um so you know that that's definitely something i'm keeping my eye on and i think rudy's rudy over the years has learned to uh to hold his own but obviously you know those okc matchups were, were always battles and, and there'll be another one tonight that's aaron
0: falk who covers the team for UtahJazz.com. pelicans and jazz the next two games tonight at 8 p.m central time and then on thursday at 9 p.m on tnt aaron i appreciate the time i thank you guys all right, great stuff there from Aaron Falk of utahjazz.com. And and Jim, you know, we just touched on this with him as far as this is the first for the Pelicans to play, I guess, a series with a team. The good news is after Thursday, the Pelicans will have to go back to Salt Lake City um, for the rest of the season, but also they're there for a few days with the last game being on Thursday night. Um, it should be interesting because I feel like this could be make or break the road trip for the Pelicans already one and two. The two losses in Los Angeles get the big win against Sacramento, but. These two games are very important for how you look at this road trip and the results before coming back home Saturday.
2: Sure. I think that whether or not you get a win in these next two, I think ultimately could determine if you consider this trip a success or not. I think if you can split, at least split these games, heck, if you win two, it'd be an amazing road trip, regardless of what happens in the finale against Minnesota. So um, it definitely is a pretty big swing in, in terms of how we see this trip and the perspective you have going into having six consecutive games at home right after this. So it's definitely one of those situations that's very unique to this season where you have these huge blocks of road games and then home games. So um, one of the things Aaron said that I thought was interesting too, about the, the series aspect of it. And I, I really like the fact that some of these teams that are located so far from each other are playing series Um, I think it's a little different in the Eastern Conference because most of those teams are so close together that there is not as much of a need to say like, okay, you know, Brooklyn needs to go to Washington and play two games, for example, because there's so many cities in the East that are that are close together, but for the Pelicans to be able to knock out the two games in one trip to Utah, and I think there probably will be a two game trip to Portland in the second half of the season, because they're playing against the teams in the Northwest division those teams that are pretty far away, it makes so much sense to do that. And I remember from the, from the seven years of traveling to every single road game, how many times it seemed like there would be a Pelicans West coast trip that they would bring you to Utah to end the trip. But then every time you'd be, you do that, you're getting home at like two or 3. AM it's impossible to not um, get home super late when you're coming from that far away. So now maybe in the future, when the Pelicans end a road trip in Utah, they can just do it once a year instead of twice a year where you're getting to bed at like 4 a.m., that kind of thing. So it's it's definitely beneficial in a lot of ways. It's unique a little bit for the Pelicans, I think, just looking at some of the other teams' schedules, um, that they only have one of these in the entire first half of the season. But like I said, I think there's going to be a bunch in the second half of the season, including at home, because they have to play the Clippers and the Lakers, for example, both Uh, twice a piece in New Orleans. So I'm guessing that we'll probably see blocks of games against them as well.
0: Great mind think alike. I was exactly just going to touch on that, that this is the only time the Pelicans will be dealing with this in the first half and that Portland would probably be the best way. And maybe the only way they do it on the road again, um, as far as covering two teams um, back to back. So um, we'll see how that goes. But before I let you go, Lonzo Ball spoke to the media yesterday. He's officially listed as questionable. That could change as we tape this podcast, but, he says he's ready to go. How does that change um, the rotations for Stan Van Gundy? I'd be curious to see because we've seen some, some great minutes from Nikhil Alexander-Walker in these three games, Kyra Lewis getting some heavy minutes. Um, one, it could change the starting lineup a little bit, as do you keep non-the starting lineup, or do you go back to having Lonzo start at point guard, but also how many minutes those two guys play. So, how one, how nice is it to get Lonzo back uh, after these three games, and then also how does that change things for Stan Van Gundy?
2: Yeah, the, the last three games, they've used a different starting lineup every single time, which is not ideal, obviously. And I mean, some of that is was forced by the fact that you had Zion out for a game as well. So things have had to be juggled around a little bit lately. So um, but with Lonzo coming back, I mean, like you just touched on, if he goes back in the starting lineup, then most likely Nikhil will be coming off the bench now. But I think what he's shown the last couple of games is very positive as far as what he can do now, if he is in that reserve role, if he's playing fewer minutes, say, or he's just in a different, different, you know, position where he's coming off the bench, um, I think he's done well both on the ball and off the ball lately. He had five assists, zero turnovers Sunday against Sacramento, and obviously the game against the Clippers, his first start, he had thirty-seven points. So I'm I'm pretty confident in him that he can adjust no matter what the situation calls for. As far as Kyra goes, I mean. You, you do wonder if there's only certain, there's only a certain amount of minutes that guys can play, uh, you know, X amount of guards can play so many minutes. So if Lonzo comes back tonight, I'm not sure if Kyra's role is going to be um, minimal or if he's going to be going back to not playing to a whole lot, but um, he's just like with Nikhil, what I just said, I think he's definitely shown good things. And, and um, I, I feel good about him that if his role does get reduced, that at some point in the near future, if he does have to get called back and move back into the rotation, that he'll be able to respond really well the way he has so far in these last couple of games. Good up there from Jim. I can offer course jo- course joining us
0: for most of our Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek Pelicans and jazz tonight, 8 PM central time. If you're not in the market, NBA TV is airing the game at eight o'clock. Hopefully it's Fox sports, New Orleans feed, but it might not be with the Pelicans being on the road. But if you are here in New Orleans, we encourage you to listen to Joel A.D. and Jen Hale. And then on the radio side, ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM with Todd, J.D. and Caroline. I'll have pregame for you starting at 730. Hopefully my voice sounds a little better than it is right now, but we'll see how it goes. And then again, Thursday, Pelicans and Jazz, 9 o'clock on TNT Fox Sports in ESPN New Orleans. Jim, I know it's weird not being in Utah and, you know, not being on this road trip, but I appreciate the time, my friend, and we'll do another
2: podcast tomorrow. Sounds good, and I have some late-breaking uh, TV coverage news. The game is on NBA TV Center Court, and they actually do have their own broadcasters for this game. They're not using a local feed, so you're not going to get Joel and Antonio. So if you if you plan to follow the game by TV and you ne- want to get Joel and Antonio, you'll have to do that on Fox Sports and Lawrence.
0: That's why we rely on you. Breaking news as always here on the Pelicans podcast <laughs> presented by
2: My sources say.
0: Your sources (laughs) say. That's fantastic. Jim, I appreciate the time. We'll talk to you tonight. All right. Thanks, Daniel. All right. Pelicans and Jazz tonight. Enjoy the game. And thanks for listening to today's Pelicans podcast presented by CT.